Welcome. Here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. It's good to see everybody. Uh, Really excited about entering into this series again of Moses. And it's really encouraging as we jump into it because I really believe that God is going to help us grow our faith and he's going to challenge us and change us. But it's going to take time as we read his word, as we hear these messages, it's going to take time. But I, I pray that God would, he would train us in our faith. Now, last week we talked about uh, Moses. And really what we looked at was we saw that Moses was called by God by seeing a burning bush. And we talked about how our lives, we question, are, are we burnable? And we said, just like that bush is dead and God lights it on fire. In the same way, God is going to light our lives on fire as we demonstrate ourselves as a living sacrifice, as we present our bodies before him. Well, the story goes on about Moses. And as Moses lives his life, what ends up happening is God does deliver the Jews from the Egyptians. And as the Israelites are led out, Moses confronts Pharaoh In confronting Pharaoh, there are these plagues that happen, and those plagues are there to have God demonstrate himself before the people. As God does this through Moses, he begins to show himself strong through Moses. And then he begins to lead them out of Egypt into the wilderness. And it is through that God would teach his people. Eventually they would run into the Red See. And this is what we call a predicament because what's going to happen is they are going to go up against the Red Sea and God is going to have to part the waters. And church, I want to encourage you, the way that God trains us in trust, the way that we learn how to trust him is that he places us around a Red Sea where we have to only trust in him. God will turn off all the other faucets in our lives so that we only sip from his, from his fountain. That's what God does. He places us, you know, and we have a lot of phrases that we say. Uh, I, I wrote a few of them down. You ever say you're in a pinch or you're in a jam or you're in a pickle or a rock in a hard place or you're backed into a corner or you're stressed or you're confused or whatever the word may be. But in some way, you are in a moment where you are not sure what God's going to do. And you are right now, you're, you're, you're finding yourself confused. Now, I do want to say that sometimes we get into predicaments because of decisions that we made ourselves. All right, so let's just be honest that not all predicaments have been arranged by God, but sometimes we find it. And God will deliver us out of those as well. But oftentimes God is controlling a crisis. He is placing us in a crisis to find him. And that is precisely what's happening. The reason why that's happening, though, and we have to understand, the the Jews only knew how to be driven by fear. They had had 400 years of slavery. So all they understood was someone intimidating them, someone driving them towards doing, making decisions. And so now God was trying to transform that fear into faith. And so, when he, and so they thought, oh, these plagues happened, and now here we are. We're set free. 
God delivered us, but God doesn't want us just to be delivered by him. He doesn't want to just show miracles in our life. He wants us to depend on him. And that is what he's doing here with the Jews. Now, if you were to look in the book of Exodus, it says, uh, verse 18, uh, I think it's chapter 13, verse 18, or chapter 3, verse 18. So he led the people around the Red Sea along the road of the wilderness, and the Israelites left the land of Egypt in battle formation. Now, I just want to pause there. The he there, he led them, that's God. God led them towards the Red Sea. Even though Moses was the one leading, God led them towards the Red Sea. Let me just say that one more time. God led them there. And God oftentimes will lead us into a predicament so that we have to trust. This is the same thing if you look in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. It says the spirit uh, that Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The, the Lord led him into a trial so that he might learn to trust him. So this predicament wasn't by accident. It was arranged. If you look in Matthew 14, verses 28 to 29, Peter is in a boat. It says, Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water. God wanted his people to live by faith. And that is what God is doing in your life right now. He wants us to live by faith. Now, you have to understand, just real quick, in Matthew 14, that Peter is a fisherman, so he understands water better than anybody else. And God doesn't want him to trust in his past or his experiences. He wants to see him on the water, and he wants him to learn to walk on water because Jesus is on the water. And he's teaching him that through faith. So if we continue in the story, we have to understand that as our framework, that that's what he's teaching them. In Exodus 13, verses 21 through 22, it says, The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to lead them on their way during the day, and a pillar of fire to give them light at night, so that they could travel day or night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Now, that means that what would happen is fire by night, cloud by day, God is actually creating this imagery so that they would know exactly what to do moment by moment so that they would know it's him. They have no Bible at the time. All they have is Moses. And so just think for a second. Wouldn't that be awesome if that's how we made decisions today? Like we had clouds and fire and what like. Like if you want to date somebody and you think, oh, is this the one like a cloud would descend over them? Or like if you needed a job, like a fire, like something would burst in fire, like this is the job you need. Praise God. That would be amazing. So the Lord, so the Lord is creating a way. So listen, they don't really have to, they don't really have to trust. Actually, they just have to look ahead of themselves. So God has created a way where they can continually trust in him and have this picture by following. But I believe that as they are getting ready to confront this Red Sea, I, I, I fundamentally believe that Moses had come to a conclusion. Even though I know I'm about to go towards the Red Sea, even though I know this is going to be a trial, even though this is crazy, I can't believe it, I believe Moses had already tried to trust in himself, that he had done it for years. And I believe Moses thought to himself, Better to be confused and follow God anyway than be 100% certain and follow myself. 
That's what made him a profound leader, is that he was convinced, I'm going to follow God no matter what. Right? And so he's taking these Israelites along the way. And so it says in chapter 13, verse 2 through 4, it says, Tell the Israelites, turn back and camp in front of Pi-Rahoth. I don't know if that's the way you said it, but who cares? If you say it confidently, people will trust you. Between Migdal and the sea. You must camp in front of Baal-Zephon, facing it by the sea. Pharaoh will say of the Israelites, they are wandering around the land in confusion. The wilderness has boxed them in. I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. Then I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So look up there and notice that it says, turn back. Turn back. And God, if you were to, if you were to look on a map, God was setting it up where all they could see is the Red Sea. If they were to look to one way, all they would see is desert. If they were to look to another way, all they would see were fortresses of enemies capturing them. If they looked to another way, it was just Egypt. And God set it up where there was nowhere else to go. And this was God's predicament. And so purposefully, God was purposefully doing this. Well, it says in chapter 14, verses 5 through 8, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about the people after he had let them go and said, what have we done? We have released Israel from serving us. So he got his chariot ready, took his troops with him. He took 600 of his best chariots and all the rest of the chariots of Egypt with officers in each of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who were going out defiantly. Israel had been freed from bondage. Now the Pharaoh is going to chase after them. And why is the Pharaoh chasing them? Because God hardened his heart. God was setting this up. The enemy that he saw, God set up that enemy. Now, I, I don't have time to go in on this, but I just want you to know, all adversaries and all enemies are on a leash. God is sovereign. And so, if, so that means that God, God is the one that set this whole thing up. He's the one that hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Verse 9, the Egyptians, listen now, the Egyptians, the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses, all of them, all his chariots, all of them, all his horsemen, all of them, and his army, all of them, chased after them and caught up. He caught up with them as they camped by the sea, by Piraho, whatever, in front of Baal Zephon. Sounds good. It's all about being confident. Can you imagine that? All of the horses, all of the horsemen, all of the army. And they could just hear the stomping. And they heard the troops. And they probably thought to themselves, is that a thunderstorm? Well, we just left 
we just, we just left the Egyptians, and they let us go, so that, that can't be them. Are those horses? Now, you have to understand, there are two million Israelites, two million of them. And so all of these horses are coming to destroy them. So they're in attack mode, and they are ready for war. And the Israelites have never been in a war. They've never had to fight. And so here they are in this moment. And as chapter 14, verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians coming after them. And it says, the Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. God, the one where you did all those plagues, God, how you delivered us, do it again. But in the midst of crying out, look what happens. Now, I just need you to see this. Crying out was a good thing. Seeking God was a good thing. But something happened in the midst of them crying out and seeking the Lord. It says in verse 11 and 12, they said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what you, we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the wilderness. <laughs> listen, listen. This is what fear does to you. And fear is driving the Egyptian people. All of a sudden, they're saying, Moses, this is your fault. You did this. You set this whole thing up. You wanted to kill us, so you did all that, so you wanted to kill us out here in the wilderness. That's what you wanted to do. See, see notice what they're saying is we'd rather be in safety as slaves than to be free men in fear. We don't, we don't want to deal with this moment. We don't want to have to trust God. We don't want to have to deal with this moment of seeing and facing our fears. We'd rather be in the comfort of slavery than be in the trial of having to walk by faith. And that is the status of all of our hearts. That we all want a simpler walk with God. We want a pillar of cloud. We want to see fire. We want simple decisions. If we had it our way, we wouldn't trust God. We would just do what we want all the time. And we would, we would thank God for it, but we wouldn't have to trust and walk by faith. And so the easiest thing to do is to blame the people in front of us. And so that's why Moses gets, he gets all that, the, 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 the shots fired at him. Moses, this is your fault. Church, Fear will make you think and say irrational things. And you will find yourself, your faith getting corrupted by the fears of the things in front of you. And here are the Israelites overwhelmed by their fears. And if you have someone in your life, a friend, a pastor, brother or sister in the Lord, here's what they need to tell you when you're afraid and what you need to tell your brothers and sisters. Verse 13, but Moses said to the people, 
Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you must be quiet. That's a good leader right there, boy. Uh, you got, it was the nicest way of saying be quiet. And you know, and this is, this is, this is such strong leadership because what, what, what we do in the flesh is like, why y'all blaming me? Y'all, yo, y'all didn't like it when I was doing all those like deliverance and the plagues and stuff. Y'all didn't like that. Y'all didn't trust, y'all trusted me then. You don't trust me now. No, he didn't take it personal. He realized, he saw through what they were saying and he got to the real need of their fear. So the first thing he said was don't, he, the first thing he didn't say was don't blame me. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, there are several things in there that you need to counsel your soul in. In Moses' leadership towards the Israelites, we need to wade in this. Don't be afraid. When we are in our greatest moments of fear, we must refuse to have fear as our operating system. We must think to ourselves and examine our hearts. Is fear why I'm making the decision I'm making or saying the statements I'm making? And you must look to yourself. Or it'd be nice to have a good friend to tell you that who just wades through and says, I think you are afraid of making a decision. I think you are worried about what's going to happen next. I don't think this is based upon trust in God. I think this is fear of what could happen outside of this. You know, when we, um, when we moved to New York City, um, I remember we had very little money in the account. And when we were moving here, we just felt God was calling us to New York City. We felt God was calling us to Brooklyn. And we were trusting God, but we didn't have any money. And I remember I sold all my seminary books. I sold each one for a dollar, right? And I sold my car. Uh, we had this one car. We sold it for $2,000. And we were just like, man, we need money. And so the, the, we sold the books for a low amount of money. We sold our car for a low amount of money. We were just like, God, you've got to do this. And then somebody came to me one day and was like, when you get to New York, why don't you just get a job? He's like, why don't you just, you know, just get a job? And I was like, that sounds like a, such a good idea. He's like, yeah, you don't have to worry about ministry. You know, just get a job. I was like, get a job. Praise God, get a job. Because you know what I'm saying? I like Rocky Road ice cream. I don't want to struggle. I want to do my thing. And so I either was going to get a full-time job or do full-time ministry. And neither one were bad decisions. Neither one were bad decisions. But I felt like God was calling me to full-time ministry. I felt like God wanted me to raise up my money and ask people to support what I was doing financially. But man, Starbucks was looking like fire. I was like, yo, I could, do, I could be a host or I don't know what I can do, but I don't want to struggle anymore. And I don't want to be afraid. And every time I'd have to pick up that phone to call, I'd be like, oh man, I don't want to ask anybody for money no more. This is, this is so hard. It was such a struggle, right? And I remember I had a good brother say, hey, so I heard you say you're going to get a job. You're going to get a job or are you going to, you know, do full-time ministry? And I was like, man, I just need some more money. He was like, I, I, that's not really what I'm asking. He's like, what do, you, what do you feel like the Lord's calling you to do? I was like, well, I know I got to provide for my family. He was like, well, look, the Lord can provide for your family. God's your provider. I'm asking you, what's God calling you to do? I was like, oh, yeah, God could provide. 
And here I was in this moment where I had to make a decision. And I ended up deciding to do full-time ministry. And before I knew it, God added to our number. And I just want you to tell you right now, God will lead you to some decisions. I'm not, I'm not telling you to leave your job, and I'm not saying do anything crazy. What I am telling you is there are oftentimes God is calling you to trust him, to trust him, to trust him. And you're going to have to fight through your fears to trust him. You're going to have to face your fears. So he says, don't be afraid. And he says, stand firm. Don't react. Don't make decisions right in the moment. How many people have made decisions when they were emotional or when they were tired or, when, or they made a quick decision? Stand firm. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. And then he says, see the Lord's salvation. Look for what God is about to do. Expect God to move. And then he says, the Lord, the Lord will fight for you. Trust him. Trust him. That's what God's calling us all to. He's calling us to deeper levels of trust. That none of us can get away from the, you can't get away from walking by faith. I don't care what you do. I don't care what kind of job. God is getting you to walk by faith, period. And you can find the most comfortable job and you can be in the most comfortable position. God is not, God is not going to settle with you living life in comfort and not in trust in him. He is going to create, listen, he is going to create a predicament where you are going to have to trust him. And, I'm, and, and the decision to trust is not definitive. You don't have to trust him. You will not have to trust him. But you will, you will be called to. And each of you will have that moment in your life because this is a faith walk. This is a journey of trusting moment by moment. And so verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. Now, I just want to speak to anybody who leads people, who is serving people in any kind of leadership level. Notice what he says here in verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? I understand why they're crying out, but why are you crying out? Because what, he was, what God was saying is, this is your moment where you need to tell people a next step. They need a plan. And oftentimes when you are in a crisis moment, it's good when everybody's crying out, but when you're a leader, you've got to trust God with a plan. You've got to tell people a next step. So that's why he's saying, why are you crying out? Tell the Israelites to break camp. Let's go. Begin to lead. Take initiative. Because leadership is not about titles. It's about people who take initiative for the benefit of others. That's real leadership, real servant leadership. So he says, listen, I know you're scared and all that too, but you need to make a decision and you need to take initiative. And then it says in verse 16, as for you, Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. As for me, I'm going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh, all his army and his chariots and horsemen, 
the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I receive glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and horsemen. God set up the predicament and God set up the victory beforehand. God had already set up the victory beforehand. And so God says, yes, all of these people will be gone. And it goes on to say, verse 28, that's exactly what happened. They walked through the Red Sea, the Bible says, on dry ground. And the water came back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, plus the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone after them into the sea. Not even one of them survived. He destroyed the entire army. Not even one of them survived. But the Israelites had walked through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on the right and the left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. And when Israel saw the great power of the Lord that the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and believed in him and his servant Moses. God had to set up a Red Sea so the people would believe. The people had been delivered, but just because they had been delivered did not mean they trusted. And God knew good and well that these people needed to relearn how to live their lives. Because Egypt was their operating system. Fear was their operating system. Having a master was their operating system. So many of us, that's how we are driven in our lives. We worked hard in school because we didn't want to be condemned like our friends. So we wanted to be the best. And we had our parents driving us to be the best. And we we don't want to be the person that's overlooked. And and the last thing we want to be is insignificant. The last thing we want to be is a person that we don't feel has purpose or design. And so we make all these calculated decisions. And all the while, much of our operating system, much of the way we see life, is not by moments, moment by moment, steps of trust. Rather, it is by running away from insignificance. And it is by trying our best to be seen we finding our identity and our accomplishments. And yet here, he had to reteach them and God is having to reteach us. Trust, church. And so here you have this major moment, the Red Sea. And the Red Sea in the Old Testament is precisely how the resurrection is used in the New Testament. Where we look to the resurrection as the pinnacle of how we see and how we can say, remember when Christ rose from the dead? That's how we know God can do anything. That's how we know, listen, he can turn any situation around. You having a bad marriage? Well, he he raised Jesus from the dead. You think life is bad? Well, he raised Jesus from the dead. We know through the resurrection that God can do anything, that he can transform any situation. And when you look at all the authors in the Old Testament, they use the Red Sea the way that we use the resurrection. They would say in Joshua 4, 23, for the Lord God dried up the water of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, just as the Lord your God did at the Red Sea 
which he dried up before you until we crossed over. It says in Nehemiah 9.9, you saw the oppression of our ancestors in Egypt and heard their cry at the Red Sea. He says in Psalm 106.9, he rebuked the Red Sea and dried it up. He led through the depths as though as through a desert. And so you see all those scriptures where they keep pointing back to the Red Sea? God is creating a milestone for you so that you would say, if he did it, over here, he can do it again. And I'm going to tell you right now, the Red Sea was deathly afraid. They were deathly afraid. But all that fear turned into praise because in the next chapter, they're worshiping. And what I'm telling you is, my brothers and my sisters, God is setting up a Red Sea for you. God is setting up a resurrection moment for you. God is setting up a moment in your life that is a milestone that you will point back to for years and say, if he did it over here, he can do it again. And it is going to be hard, but it's going to be memorable. You hear what I'm telling you? It's hard, but it will be memorable. In fact, you can't shake it. Just as the Red Sea is littered through the Old Testament, God is going to set up a predicament where you're like, and then the Lord showed up. And you're, going to tell, and you're not going to tell people, you're not even going to be like sharing your faith. You're going to be like, oh, my God, this is what happened. And it's going to ooze out of you because you really can't explain it without Jesus. Yes. Let me just say this a different way. God is setting up a predicament in your life where you will not be able to explain it without his intervention. That is what God is setting up. Because he wants glory from our lives so that we would tell his story. And so we, we must realize that God trains us in trust through trials. The way that we will grow in our faith is through trials, through a one predicament after another. And God arranges it that way. If you have issues with anger, God will give you a roommate that works your nerves. Yes, he will. He'll give you a roommate where their job description is nerve worker. And they'll just get on, they'll bother you, and, and, all, and you'll, you have to deal with those issues inside of you. God will set it up. God, God is not satisfied without having a full with all, without having all your heart and all your trust. And he is arranging a predicament. I think Paul the Apostle says this so well. And I think that we have to keep in our minds that when we are hemmed in on all sides, the only place will be to look up. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, it demonstrates this. Paul said, when we are hard-pressed, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. He said, we are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. When we are immature in our faith, we don't have that tool 
a but not. In fact, we end up leaning on one side or another. We only see that we're hemmed in on every side. All my life, why me? Why is everything happening against me? I look to the one side, there's this fortress. I look to another side, here's the sea. I look to another side, here's the Egyptians. I look to the other side, there's a desert. God, look at my circumstances. Look all around me, I'm hemmed in on all sides. But as we mature, we say, but I'm not crushed. God still has time. I'm I'm alone right now. And I am really dealing with relationship issues. And I feel like I can't get connected and I don't understand people. And I am alone. But I'm not lonely because your word says you'll never leave me nor forsake. I, my, I, where is money going to come from? I mean, literally, it feels like I'm short every month, and it seems like more issues. Then I got a ticket the other day, and I was going to drop my homeboy off, and I was trying to be a good person, a servant, like you said, be a servant, and now I don't have no money. But you will provide because I'm not broke in Christ. And what I'm telling you is maturity is you have to implement a but-not mentality. If you go to the one side and you only see your life as one moment of complaining, doubt, and fear after another, then you will never grow in Christ. But if you're this person where everything's positive, it's like, well, God, I'm blessed, I highly favored, oh my God, and you don't ever look at the bad side of your life, you can't be mature either. You've got to say, yes, I am emotionally drained, but I'm not emotionally unavailable to God. He can fill my life up. And if you are going to have a butt net mentality, when you are hemmed in, it is because you see the salvation of the Lord. Right now, some of you are in a predicament and God wants you to look up. He wants you to see what he is doing. He wants you to look in your circumstances and admit that your circumstances are crushing you. Admit that. Be honest about where you're at. Say, I am perplexed. I am persecuted. I am struck down, but simultaneously say, but I'm not in despair. But I'm not abandoned and I'm not destroyed. And there you will learn to trust him. Trust him today, church. That is what God has you in a predicament today about. It is trust. Holy Spirit, we ask that tonight we would deepen our faith in you and we would trust you for more, God. God, we pray that you and only you, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to see you, God. Help us to see you pray, Heavenly Father, that as we see you, as we trust you, we pray, God, that you would demonstrate yourself right now, God. Help us to see that but not mentality. Help us to admit exactly where we are and help us to trust in exactly what you're doing. Help us to admit exactly where we are and help us to trust exactly what you're We hope you've been encouraged by this message. We'd love to hear how God used this sermon to speak to you. 
please take a minute to email us your story. Our email address is info at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at bridgechurchnyc or visit our website, bridgechurchnyc.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.